The Fail On Podcast, Episode 006. The struggles that you go through, whether they're physical stressors yeah. or, or mental stressors or very hard times in life, like ultimately, it doesn't matter that much as long as your spirit is well and as long as you're able to bring happiness in the lives of others, as long as you're able to be grateful for even the tiniest thing that you can be right. grateful for that day. Welcome to the Fail On Podcast, where we explore the hardships and obstacles today's industry leaders face on their journey to the top of their fields through careful insight and thoughtful conversation. By embracing failure, we'll show you how to build momentum without being consumed by the result. Now, please welcome your host, Rob Nunnery. And welcome to the podcast that believes if you desire to create the life of your dreams, then embracing failure by taking urgent and bold action is the only way. Today, you and I get to learn from none other than Ben Greenfield, an entrepreneur and New York Times bestselling author of the book, Beyond Training, Mastering Endurance, Health, and Life. Ben was named as one of the top 100 most influential people in the health and fitness industry. And he is a biohacker constantly looking to increase human performance by thinking outside the box. I'll be talking to Ben about how he was able to shift from an offline brick and mortar type business to an online business and his true aha moment. How he was able to generate $48,000 in just seven days on his first online launch and how to balance being hyper productive in business and fitness while also being a great husband and father and much more. But first... If you'd like to stay up to date on all the Fail On podcast interviews and key takeaways from each guest, simply go to failon.com and sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of the page. Again, that's failon.com, F-A-I-L-O-N.com. And now, without further ado, Mr. Ben Greenfield. All right, welcome to the Fail On podcast, another episode in... Eleuthera in the Bahamas. Right now, I've got Ben Greenfield sitting with me. I have a pina colada headache right now. <laughs> it didn't I take, think I'm sipping my pina colada too fast. That didn't take long. Didn't mm, take long. Brain no. freeze. No, the rum didn't even hit my system yet. Just the freeze. <laughs> my motor cortex is failing. <laughs> All right. Just to get a little context and background on Ben. So how did you get started in business and entrepreneurship? And at what point in your life was this? Well, my dad was like this funky serial entrepreneur ex-fireman growing up so when i was like i think i was 11 he had been a firefighter paramedic you know all my life growing up and then he started like ordering coffee beans from all over the world and became like a gourmet coffee roaster which was a head scratcher for me because i was used to just having it that you know people asked my dad did i told him he was a fireman right Right. that's easy yeah yeah. and i was like what does your dad do i'm like he does a coffee he's a coffee roaster and then he started like a a pager service like back when pagers were oh, big yeah. which really annoyed me because me and all my brothers had to carry pagers when we went like drug dealers <laughs> except it was mostly some mom could page us and be like pick up eggs on your right. way home from, right. from basketball practice not christmas that's everything yeah exactly <laughs> then he started like a non-emergency ambulance transportation service mm. and then he started a bagel restaurant franchise and we're all then of he these started, like, like simultaneous water filtration. No, one after just another. like total like like Cereal. seriously okay. serial entrepreneur. Yeah. Like do this. so you know do this, do that, move on. And for me, watching that, I guess maybe it kind of like set the context for me early that 
it's okay to not have not not to be a fireman sure. right or you know as i wanted to be at that point the president of the united states <laughs> or a policeman right, right. so when uh, and probably influenced by him i was 15 years old i'd been playing tennis for a couple of years mm. and just loved tennis i know you play tennis yeah. as well even though we haven't had a chance to match up we play, we grab the badminton rackets over there and could whip and, it out yeah yeah try something anyways though I, at 15 years old, started contacting all of my friends' parents and some of the local families in the community. We lived in a small community in North Idaho offering tennis lessons. Mm. So I would have kids show up and I would teach them lessons, group lessons, and individual lessons. And I actually saved up for college just no teaching tennis lessons for a couple of years. And I mean, every single day because I was homeschooled, right? Yep. So yep. I'd finish homeschool by the time it was 11 or 12 p.m. How, how old were you, by the way? I was 15. Okay. And then I would teach, teach tennis lessons from about 2 p.m. until about 5 p.m. Just in and out, like all day long. Sound Monday public, through public Friday. Court. No, I helped my dad build a court at our house oh, out awesome. of asphalt. I painted all the lines in. No way. So that was my first business. I yeah. did that for a couple of years. And there was like a brief stint before I started going to college where I wanted to be a computer programmer. Mm. And so I started making computer games and computer programs and coding websites. And I was like one of the first guys to play yeah. online World of Warcraft, like back when sure. nobody knew what it was. Yeah. It wasn't cool. And I, you know, you'd, we'd use like terminal to pull up browsers and play these little like, you know, multi-level, I forget, it's like MMOPG. It's multiplayer games, which sure. is a huge industry now. Huge, I should have yeah. stuck with it because eSports, <laughs> you get paid like a million bucks or more exactly. like in eSports. So anyways, though, I wound up playing tennis in college and like most student athletes do i declared myself like a kinesiology you know personal training type of major and i got my personal training cert like my mm. first year of college and i started training clients yep. so i worked at two different gyms and eventually four different gyms mm. during college i worked at a pub at night as a bartender and a coffee shop by day i worked at a little french bistro in the morning so i had five jobs through college that's crazy man because that's a full-time Many people don't know full time student athletes like full time yeah. student athletes. Yeah. No, but I've I've always been driven. And, you know, I know your podcast is kind of about failure. I think for me, my early drive was not just like, you know, seeing my dad and all his businesses and having like that early success, just yeah. like setting my own tennis coaching business. But because I was homeschooled, I, I kind of always had like this. And you may hear my, my glass clink against the microphone as I sip my... It's okay. It's just a pina colada. It's hard to drink a pina colada with a microphone. <laughs> Anyways, though, I... I had like a perception growing up that I was weird, right? Because I was homeschooled. I was right. like the odd man out, mm. the lone wolf, whatever. So even through college, I wanted to be like the guy who was like the best of the best. who could mm. prove that, hey, even though I come from a different background than the yeah. rest of you, I'm something special. Like like that's the way the Greenfields grew up too. Yeah. I, I did a podcast with Neil Strauss from mm. my show. And he like psychoanalyzed me on my show, <laughs> which he's really good at. Yeah. And he, he's like, how'd you grow up? Like what was your upbringing? Like, I was like, the Greenfields had to be perfect. Mm. Like it, we had to be like these standout like, you know, student athletes who got perfect grades yeah. and had the perfect hair and right. wore the cool clothes because a big part of it was, I think that trying to defy the status quo of what, like the prairie muffin homeschooler who wasn't cool. Yeah. And so I I had that going into college, like that drive to mm. just achieve and achieve better than anybody else. Right. And so went to college for four years and then I had I had another failure that looking back really 
was a huge blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. So I decided a couple of years into college, I didn't want to be like a strength and conditioning coach or an athletic yeah. trainer. I want to be a physician, sure, like a sports medicine physician or an orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. So I took all the pre-meds hardcore. I was mm-hmm. like 28 credits a semester. I was studying my ass off. Yeah. I was, you know, I was 4.0. And I'm, I'm, I know I sound like I'm bragging right now, but I'm yeah. trying to, to like, I was driven. Sure. I was driven. Sure. I've done like the Enneagram assessment. I'm a type one achiever, completely, completely driven. And so I, I completed four years of college. My pre-meds, my MCATs got accepted to a bunch of medical schools. Did not get accepted to Duke or Harvard, which right, is where you the schools to go. I wanted to get accepted yeah. to. And again, like I'm not the guy I wanted to settle. I wanted the best right. of the best. So I wanted to get a master's degree, and I wanted to get a master's degree so that I would be more attractive to some of the bigger Ivy League institutions that I wanted to attend. Still on the road, though. I'm a white school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I I was fighting an uphill battle, but yeah, I went back and I got my master's degree in biomechanics mm-hmm. and exercise physiology. And then I got offers a job for a surgical hip and knee sales company called Biomet. Mm. And I saw dollar signs, right? Like so it was as, a good, a, as a salesman? Yeah, it's a good freaking job. Like oh, yeah. for coming out of college, you know, for, for me, you know, I think it was a starting salary for me. This would have been 2005. You know, they offered me something like 80,000, 90,000 bucks a year coming out of college. I'm Which like, is That's, unheard of, right? I'm like, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> and my perspective was, hey, even if this turns out to be a short stint, it would look good on a medical school resume too. Oh, yeah. So. I had failed getting into these medical schools mm. that I wanted to get into. Well, let's be honest. You failed getting into Duke and Harvard. But, but for me, it was, it was a <laughs> for failure. Sure. Yeah, right? absolutely. So I really wanted to do well in yeah. sales. And I, I did it for four months and absolutely hated it. Mm. Like standing there with the laser pointer, you know, showing surgeons how to yeah. how to implant overpriced hips and knees in a broken medical system sure. into morbidly obese people who could have done other things to fix their mm-hmm. joints. What were you and, able to learn from, from that job? From that what was I able to learn from that job? Yeah. Biomechanic, hardcore mm-hmm. biomechanics and exercise science. I mean, we were doing everything from from that, you know, the implantation of, of joints, which is which is huge in terms of biomechanics, mm-hmm. joint angles, joint lever arms, etc. Because yeah. you know, if you implant something incorrectly at the mm-hmm. incorrect angle, shit hits the fan when right. somebody wakes up from, from yeah, their yeah. surgery. We also did things like platelet-rich plasma injections, mm-hmm. like way before anybody was doing them, which is very similar to like a yep. stem cell injection. Got in a sense, you take somebody's blood out, you spin it, you re-inject the growth factors at the bottom of the tube. And just really got me into even more hardcore science than I was into when I was in, you know, my undergraduate and graduate degrees. Yep. So the other interesting thing that happened during that time was I didn't run into a single doc who didn't tell me I I would not be completely crazy and insane and a fool to attend medical school. Mm. These are all the guys like the boats and the yachts and the right. they hated <laughs> right. their jobs and, yeah. and had no time to spend with their families. And so that kind of left it. Yeah. Every time you hear a pause, it's me shipping in my pina colada. That kind of left like a, a bitter taste in my mouth as far as medicine was concerned mm. and really made me think twice about going to medical school. So I did not reapply. Instead, I quit that job in surgical sales Yep. and I walked across the street from the little apartment I was living in in Post Falls, Idaho to the gym and I asked for a job. And I had a really nice resume at that. Any job in the fitness sure. industry I could have gotten. Yeah. I was yeah. I was a personal trainer. I was a certified strength and conditioning coach. I had certifications up the wazoo. I'd gotten like my nutrition certification. Mm-hmm. Remember, all through college, I'd worked as yeah. a personal trainer. Yeah. I was already doing well as a personal trainer in college. Were you, you still know, personal was... training as you had that medical sales job? Mm-hmm. Okay. No. I had gotten into Ironman triathlon at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was so like training, training, training yeah. for Ironman yeah. by night and doing the surgical sales by day, basically. Yeah. Such an underachiever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a blessing and a curse. That's actually complete aside. I'm actually I've I've been driven so driven that I've decided I need to do a better job letting go 
mm. and that we were talking the other night. I think you were standing in a circle with the other guys. We were talking about this book I just recently read, Complete Rabbit Hole here. Yeah. But it's called Surrender. Yep. The Pathway or the, the Process of Letting Go. Or no, it's called Letting Go, The Pathway of Surrender by David Hawkins. Mm. And it's about, you know, very good for like a like a OCD type A driven sure. achiever about just like letting go. You know, however you want to phrase yeah. it, like letting go and letting God or letting things mm. happen as they will or relaxing a little bit more. What was his thoughts on like which areas to know to let go of? Like mm. do you let go of what you're doing? Any, I guess give anything, me an example. So things that you feel that you can control that you really don't have as much control over or you don't have as much control over as you think that you do or you shouldn't even be trying to have as much control over, right? Like – we backed into a car down here in right. the Bahamas and there's a dent on one car, there's a dent on the other. I'm going to be paying like a thousand bucks before yeah. I leave here to fix them. And Man, they want that much. Like, yeah, and I, I could get completely stressed out about it. Yeah, where I could totally. just say, you know what? Maybe that guy's family needs some extra money. Let's say maybe he, yeah. and I know he's kind of like overcharging me or whatever, sure, but yeah. he's got a little bit extra money in his pocket now. Maybe yeah. he's got a kid who's sick at home. Like, right. like all of a sudden thinking about, you know what, things happen for a reason and mm -hmm. I can just sit back and let them happen. And I've uh, I've scheduled a, an Iboga plant-based medicine experience in October. Mm -hmm. Really for my intention going into that is to actually delve even more into this process of just letting go, not being as much of like a driven yeah achiever right you know, maybe they'll come back to bite me i'll turn out like, morbidly <laughs> obese eating twinkies on my couch watching <laughs> game of thrones but anyways we digress so i walked into the gym and asked for a job and i had a job mm. right away you know because i i did look really good on paper and i within a few weeks i'd like you know i was training eight to ten clients a day started managing the gym within a couple of months yep. managing the, the fitness facility and then i was teaching spin classes and triathlon classes and fitness classes. And the wife of a local physician was one of my clients and just loved what I did. And she introduced me to her husband, mm. who's in the process of starting this massive local facility as like a one-stop shop for sports medicine, nice. like physical therapy and yep. massage and chiropractic. And he wanted to do an exercise physiology and biomechanics laboratory. Mm. And I was an exercise physiologist and I had studied biomechanics, yep. you know, in my graduate degree. And he asked me if I wanted to kind of phase out from my job at the gym where I was already doing, you know, really well. I was making as much right. money at the gym as I, as I had been making in that hip and knee job. surgical sales yeah. just because, you know, I was using, I, I was already following all the big guys in fitness business mm. and what they were doing and how to like do everything from group training to yep. subscription based models for personal training rather than one on, you know, pay one time for one session, just yep. like everything that you would do in a smart client-based sure. business like that. So I partnered with this doc and we started a, a facility. We started one in Idaho and mm -hmm. one in Washington. And it was the place to go for people who wanted like the best of the best, mm -hmm. meaning people who wanted to come in, have their blood analyzed, do an EKG, do like calorimetry measurements to have their metabolism analyzed, yeah. do VO2 measurements. We had high-speed video camera mm -hmm. for bike fits for Ironman triathletes. Yeah. So was, know, it geared towards, was it geared we towards the general public or was PRP it geared towards injections? like athletes? What, well, athletes, the general public, and then one big thing I did was I partnered up with a doctor who on a national level was running this thing called the Exercises Medicine Program. 
where we would partner up with local physicians and actually start taking their patients from them when their patients had come out of surgery, which was a perfect niche for me because yeah. I was very familiar with that scene. I already had a bunch of local mm. physician contacts. Right. And so they would send us their patients who were highly motivated to get better, to rehab from mm. surgery, et cetera. So we had like the patient referrals from physicians. Yep. We had the general public. We had all the people coming in for chiropractic, physical therapy, to see the sports medicine doc, et cetera, who also saw a really cool lab and training yep. facility upstairs who wanted to do that. And then we also had the athletes, right? Like the Ironman triathletes and the people sure. I was running into doing what I was doing yep. at that point, which was like triathloning and, and marathoning. And so it was and, a pretty slick job. And like, people were coming from all over the country to the center mm -hmm. or was it yeah. more locals? It, it was all over the country, but I mean, okay. a lot, a lot of locals too. Sure. So we, we were, we were like concierge based yeah. personal training. Very high touch. Yeah, exactly. So within a year of doing that, I was making six figures. Like I was killing it as a personal yeah. trainer. I was also working from like, you know, 5 a.m. till 10 p.m., but right. but I was I was killing it. I actually got to the point where I was traveling around the U.S. speaking at fitness business conferences, mm -hmm. teaching people how to make money. How old are you? fitness businesses. I was, let's see, I, I always ranked this based on the age of my children because I, I made the switch I'll tell you about in a second when my kids were being born or when my, when my wife was pregnant with the boys. Mm -hmm. So there are nine in two days. So this would have been 10 years ago. So I was 25. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Had you started the blog and all of that at that point? I had started a digital-based newsletter through the gym, so I had a very small list. Right? Sure. I had a few hundred people, but I understood the concept of a list. Right. And I was at this fitness business conference, and this guy, they called him like Mr. X. He got up on stage and gave a talk, and he was like doing stuff I'd never even heard of before, like selling eBooks online mm. and talking about like JVs. My, all I knew <laughs> was JV was like the junior varsity basketball right, team, right, right. Or the junior varsity tennis yeah. team. I didn't even know what a JV was. <laughs> sure. You know, this whole idea of like joint ventures yeah. with affiliates and eBook marketing and, and lists and opt-ins, like most of that aside from my little digital newsletter yeah. at the gym. And along with a little ebook that I'd written that I had published as a book that I was like giving away to people in addition to like driving to all like the local GNCs and stuff and giving to them to, to sell. Like that was my experience with, with, with the book and the publishing industry. So yeah. I kind of, kind of had an interest in it. <laughs> Bless you. Pina colada. You're allergic to my pina colada. <laughs> so anyways, so I'm sitting there listening to this guy. Yep. And he had made like a million bucks that year. All right, I got to stop right here. You got, you got a little yeah. pina colada no, on your that's nose. Why I'm, that's why I'm grabbing my paper towel here. <laughs> your chin. I can feel the pina colada all over my face. And for even more context, yeah. he has pina colada on his nose, his chin. And he's, he's doing this interview in his underwear. This so. is underwear. It's my swimsuit. <laughs> pina colada on my crush now. Anyways, so the I'm completely derailed after your sneeze yeah. and, and making fun of my face. <laughs> the So J JV's... Yeah. So, so I'm speaking. sitting there with my little yellow legal notepad listening to this guy. I'm like, holy cow, I'm working my ass off in the gym. My wife's at this conference with me. She's pregnant mm -hmm. with the boys. Yep. And I'm like, there. I'm realizing, I'm like, A, what I'm doing right now is not sustainable to mm -hmm. me having a family. And I actually kind of wanted to homeschool my kids yep. and like be there for them and be at home with them. And I was just like at the gym from mm -hmm. the butt crack of dawn until evening. And that was yep. what I did. And a lot of times I would get home in the evening and I would still be like working and you know, replying to emails from clients yeah. and stuff like that. Bit of a personal question to that because I, I always try to do this as well. And it's really tough for me. I don't think I'm as much of a, you know, type A, like driven achiever as you are. I think I naturally, you know, yeah, I want to achieve a lot, but I don't think it's to, to your level, which I don't think many people are to your level. But for me, having the balance like with the home life versus like the work mm -hmm. life is, is still a challenge. So right. I'm, I imagine for you, it's even more of a challenge. Is that the case? It was. It's yeah. not anymore. Sure. I mean, based, based on the way I've structured my life. But at that point, yeah, I mean, like, you know, if I did decide I was going to 
be done with work at like mm-hmm. 11 or whatever. That's when my wife and I would watch a movie and mm-hmm. hang out until like 2 a.m. or whatever. So sure. I was I was a workaholic. Yep. Like truly. Like that was all I ever knew with, with right. all the classes I had taken in college and all the jobs yeah. I had in college. Like I was pretty much just like working my butt and loving it. Right. Like Is I that still something love, that your parents like ingrained in you from or instilled in you from an early age? My, my father would see his dad on Sundays. Yeah. Because his dad was an extremely successful salesman. He was Zig Ziglar's best buddy. And, and he and Zig used to sell stuff down in Florida, like cookware and stuff like that. Cool. And yeah. so my dad grew up having a father who was never around, who was working. <clears throat> I grew up having a father who was pretty distant, who was very into working. Not necessarily uber successful because he was kind of like just like bouncing around. He never like maintained a job long enough to yeah. be that successful. But again, just like nose to the grindstone, sure. working his ass off. So yeah, for me that was pretty pretty normal. Got it. So, anyways, I am sitting there in the audience at this fitness business conference that I'm speaking at about how to make money as a brick and mortar personal trainer. Sure. Listen to this guy talk about his online <laughs> life scaling. Like, right. I should try this online thing. Yeah. So for the next six months, I would get home from the gym at about 10 p.m. and I worked to about two or three a.m. Um, building a list. I hired a VA in the Philippines. Yep. I worked with her to build up a list of all the different triathlon mm. clubs and triathlon coaches in the country. Sure. I started creating a program that would allow triathletes. It's still one of my top selling programs, like almost 10 years later, mm. teach triathletes how to do an Ironman triathlon in minimal time without mm. neglecting their hobbies, their friends, their family, their career, and still be able to cross the finish line fast with a big smile on their face. Because you... at that point, I was a really good Ironman. Like, I was one of the top Ironman triathletes mm. in the country. And I was doing all this work and I had cracked the code on like how to do really well at Ironman triathlon and still hold down a job and like do all this like high intensity level training and bang for your buck style training. And so I'm sitting there with this notepad. I'm like, I could totally decide. I did everything this guy said. His name was Vince Delmonte. Since then, like I I found out like he's a big follower of my podcast now. (laughs) Like it's kind of, it's cool. Kind of flipping. I've had him on my podcast a couple of times. It's called the skinny man savior. His his mm. niche is he helps skinny guys build muscle. Anyways, though, so I just did everything that his little like his system was. So was like, did he have an actual other. online course? He taught a course right there at the conference. Like, oh, okay, Got here's it. here's your headline, and this was in the days of very long form sales letters yep. with testimonials yep. and calls to action and the opt in, the pop ups, the exit pop up, yeah. the entry pop up, everything. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yep, scarcity affiliate launches, everything. Mm. I'm very good at following the rules. If you give me a system, I'll do it. So I did. I did everything he said. Had my affiliates. Did the mail out. Launched the product during the Ironman Kona race week. Just yep. jumped through all the hoops. And that week, I made about $48,000 in seven days selling mm-hmm. this online training product, yep. which was like, you know, more than, well, it was, it was a little less than half what I was making as a personal nervous. Still in one week. Yeah. I was like, holy cow, I can do this. Did you have a big so, list this time? I had built up a decent-sized list yeah. of affiliates. Sure. And I think my list was like a little under 10,000. Got it. So it was, it was decent yeah. like like back in, back in the day. So at that point, I realized, holy cow, I should move on to the next chapter in my life. I can stay home. I can be with my kids. Mm-hmm. I can write programs, yeah. create products that help people continue to do what I love to do, which is stay immersed in the fitness and health sector, yeah. but do it while being at home with these kids that are about to be born and and come into my life. So sure. within six months, I'd sold out from under the physician, sold all my equipment, cut off the lease from him, yep. branched out and started my own business. You know, I referred all my clients to local personal trainers, yep. got rid of all them, moved into the house in my underwear, started a podcast, mm-hmm. one of the first fitness podcasts on iTunes. Yep. 
started like a YouTube channel, started a blog, started basically partnering up with a lot of the people who I had already worked with as an athlete because I was, you know, I was a sponsored Ironman triathlete right. and started like selling their products on my website, mm-hmm. and, you know, became an affiliate of yep. some companies and yeah, I mean, more or less started doing what I do now, which sure. is like writing, speaking, doing a lot of new media stuff, mm-hmm. doing like affiliate style launches, yep. creating and selling my own products. But when I did that, like I did, if, if I could go back and do it again, I did everything myself. I did all the web programming. Mm-hmm. I did all the e-commerce setup. I yep. did all of the coding for the websites, wrote all the PHP scripts, customized right. all the WordPress backend. Yep. I did everything. Mm-hmm. And I was actually talking to my COO today about how that's been both a blessing and a curse because I like to micromanage stuff sure. now. Like when I see a website go up, I'm like, wait, that exit pop-up doesn't respond properly yeah. on a mobile browser. <laughs> what are you doing? But, but I'm like the person who's getting in and doing that because right. like I really understood it and, and, was, and I just did everything myself yeah. back in the day. Probably wasted a lot of time because of that. But yeah, I mean, really, like that's pretty much what I do now is is what I started doing after mm. I after I launched that first product, and I've just kind of been rinsing, washing, and repeating since then, creating education yeah. and media, building up and training a team of coaches who works underneath me, you know, kind of cloning mm-hmm. myself in that respect, yep. and then also doing uh, you know a lot of like sales of, of products, both as an affiliate as well as like private labeling or white labeling right. or creating my own products and yep, selling yep. those. Was that your first course that you made, the one for triathletes? the Ironman? There was one before that, that little book I mentioned that I would like, right. that it was called Shape 21. It was like a 21 day like yep. cleanse nutrition fitness program. I would like get in my car and drive around all the local gyms and local GNCs and supplement stores mm-hmm. and stuff and give them the book. And so you had a physical copy? I would sell it to them. Yeah. Got I'd it. sell it to them wholesale. And then basically they would just sell sure. it and give me the money that they made from selling a very yeah but the, but when i was like eight years old i'd love to write right I, that's still a passion of mine yep. so yeah we talked yeah, about that yeah. so so yeah I, I had created a little book before then but mm-hmm. not using any kind of a system sure you know just kind of winging it yeah exactly so are both those products still selling today they are <laughs> That's yeah. great. Have, have you made any like revisions or? Oh yeah, I'm constantly the... like like even my New York Times bestselling book. Rather than like publish another book, I yeah. just revise that one and keep on selling it. Like I'm a fan of like if if something works, like just keep on modifying it and revising it. And right. Then, yeah. I'd rather do that than like create, create new stuff, a constantly. brand new program. I yeah. create new programs constantly, but I also make sure the uh, the the old ones stay modified. Got it. So let's go to actually what you would consider your very first failure in the world of entrepreneurship. So when you're getting all of this built, started the ebook, the courses. I mean, it sounds like you followed a really strict system, right? Mm-hmm. Step by step. And that's, you know, that's kind of mm-hmm. what catapulted you into this world. What were some of the things that actually didn't go right or that you screwed up or that, that failed? Well, I mean, you know, the big failure for me, at least for me on paper was like not getting into medical school, right? And, right. and that driving me to, yep. you know, go on and do some of these things that kind of like set my path in life. That was sure. a biggie. Another biggie. Like I mentioned, it's not a failure, but it, to me, it was almost like a failure was being that weird guy who was homeschooled, had yeah. like a completely different upbringing. Right? That for me, that was a little bit of failure as well. Mm-hmm. Since I launched that initial product, you know, a big issue for me has been launching products that don't seem to work, but kind of like trying to make them work mm-hmm. despite people obviously not wanting them and me thinking they're a good idea because I Got didn't it. split test them or buy some Google AdWords to see if they actually convert prior to launching them. Sure. You know, perfect example, I started and tried to make work for three years this thing called the Rockstar Triathlete Academy, mm. a membership website for for triathletes. 
and no matter what I did, I just could not get that thing to be like the thriving membership website. It Got just it. triathletes wanted to like buy a program and go out and run. They didn't want a mm-hmm. forum. They didn't want the community. They didn't want any of that stuff. All they wanted was just like a training program. But I kept trying to make the membership program mm-hmm. work, and I poured my heart and soul in that thing for like three years. Yeah, and just it was just like a like a boat, right? right. Just like a complete money hole. <laughs> so. Yeah, so it's like a membership website. Now I have a thriving membership website. Yeah. Now that I learned a lot from that about how you need somebody who's running the community, you mm-hmm. need to have like fresh new content Constantly. that that actually keeps people entertained yeah. and enchanted every single week. You need somebody to be starting new discussions mm-hmm. in the forum. You need to have downsells and upsells so that you can have different levels of like almost like high school, right? Like different different communities, some cooler yeah. than others, some more expensive VIP than others. tier. Right, like exactly. That. Yeah. All that stuff. So I, you know, I have an inner circle now and, yeah. and with, for, it's called the Ben Greenfield fitness inner circle. And, you know, and so now I have a thriving membership website, but for, mm. for three years, I pretty much like failed at membership website until <laughs> sure. I finally cracked the code at it. Sure. Is inner circle like a, like a mastermind group or is that just like a top mm. tier of the membership? It's basically people who want like a, kind of like a, a monthly like fireside type of chat with my wife and I Got to it. be able to have unlimited Q&A, a forum where they can interact with other members of the community mm-hmm. uh, for everything from like health, fitness, biohacking, anti-aging, yep. nutrition, all Across the things the board. I teach people. And then they also get access to all my, like all my programs, all my eBooks. They get special discounts on all like the supplements mm-hmm. that I create. They get what else do they have? Like access to, of course, like all the archives of previous webinars, previous workshops. Right. There's an upsell of like a monthly magazine that my mm-hmm. wife does, which is like a PDF and video, yeah. like online healthy living magazine where she teaches people how to like, you know, make their own freaking deodorants and, sure. you know, and personal care products to like yeah. how to detox their bodies, or their mm-hmm. homes. So kind of like, like feeding through the fire hose when it comes to optimizing your mind and your body and your spirit, but doing so on kind of like a level where you've got community, you've got full-time access to me or my wife to be able to ask questions and you have like yeah. a monthly kind of like fireside chat with us. Is that your kind of the highest tier that you mm-hmm. have? No, I still coach. I still do online coaching. Oh, one-on-one stuff. So I coach, oh, right now it's 11 people. Got it. I've got a few professional poker players, a couple pro athletes, right. a bunch of CEOs. And I'm just like the CEO of their health, right? Like sure. I keep track of their sleep, their nervous system. Mm-hmm. I program out their exercises for each day. Yep. I keep track of their nutrition and their meals. So, so they're updating that on yeah. like an app or something. So they pay two thousand to three thousand dollars a month, and I just basically oversee their body. Fitness. Yeah. yeah, got it. Yeah. It's very cool. All right. So thanks to you for the rum, by the way. Otherwise, this would just hey, be a banana. Absolute pleasure. Spending. Absolute pleasure. So, what are you most afraid of today? Mm-hmm. Obviously, aside a lot from of stuff's jumping going up well. really high stuff. Okay, so dying. you got a fear of heights? No, I don't have a fear of heights. I have a fear of you what happens jump, at the you? bottom. If I, yeah, I do. But I have a fear of what's at the bottom if I don't know what's down there. Like rocks. What or... am I most afraid of? You know, I'm I'm not afraid of very much. Yep. I'm really not. My kids and I had this discussion at dinner. We were trying to think of something I'm afraid of. And aside from like... What about like death? You know, pro- or... Probably the biggest thing is like, for me, it's fear of, of like public embarrassment that mm-hmm. I'm not practicing what I preach or mm-hmm. that I'm not like living... Like that what I'm doing isn't working, right? Like sure. that's my fear that... I'm going to like, you know, like my shoulder's injured right now. Yep. And it's a bane for me because like I'm supposed to be like that, like that perfect picture of fitness who <laughs> practices what I preach and right. everything that I recommend works. So why the hell wouldn't my shoulder be fully at capacity, yep. you know, or like I'm racing for the Spartan protein this year as like mm. a professional obstacle course racer. Well, if I come in like 10th or yeah. I fail an obstacle, like that's a fear for me. Basically complete hubris, complete pride, sure, fear sure. of public embarrassment based on the fact that my entire business right now 
it is me. It's my mm-hmm. face, my body, yeah. my celebrity, my branding. And right. because I'm in physical fitness, that can get kind of exhausting. Oh. Meaning that, you know, if you look at like, you know, big wave surfer, Laird, Ham- Laird Hamilton, like once he quits surfing, once he quits hitting the big waves, he's got to have some kind of like a, a backup career. But at mm-hmm. this point, you know, I, I was hanging out with him in Malibu. He's a really cool dude. But like, you know, he's, he's kind of hobbling because his hips got replaced yeah. and all this jazz, but he still has like that pressure to keep going because he's like, mm-hmm. like his business is built that's, on him. That's his identity. Right? Yeah, that's his identity. Yeah. So now I'm in the process of rebranding my business and kind of like extricating myself from the business. So yeah. there's no, like, I really don't care if people know who I am. Sure. I really don't. Yeah. I want to sit at home with my kids and play the ukulele yeah. and like <laughs> write fiction. Yeah. And like, that's a perfect day for me. That's awesome. And yeah. so... I'm now in the process of, of rebranding my entire business and creating a business where it's not my face, not my name. If somebody's sitting on a plane eating some, you know, ketogenic bar that I created, yep. I don't care if they know who I am. Mm-hmm. They need, you know, the brand is called Keon, right? So sure. all I want them to know is Keon. speak and be a part yeah. of a tribe and part of a language would be Keon, not Ben Greenfield. Got so it. that's kind of the next the next path I've identified, you know, especially mm-hmm. as I get older is dude. I can't keep doing what I've been doing, which yeah. is like to, to run my businesses, like the face and the yeah. name and the brand and have like a celebrity, you know, like Tim Ferriss, Tony Robbins, guys like that. They do a really good job at it, but that's not, I'm not interested in that. Sure. Like I just want to create a business and walk away. Yep. How's that? Do you, do you think that's obviously like in the supplement space, there won't be, most supplements don't have a face behind them, right? Or that they're not the main brand. Right. I mean, you've got like Bulletproof and Dave yeah, Asprey, Asprey or, right. but, you know, and, or on it and, and Aubrey Marcus, you know, yeah. both Dave and Aubrey are friends of mine. And I understand that like, I'll probably, I'll, I'll probably never stop writing about fitness. Sure. I'll probably never stop like freelancing for men's health and yeah. men's fitness. So, cause I like it. Yeah. Right. But I want to have the, that to be like an option yeah. rather than it being a, like the necessity to keep my whole business running is whether right. or not like I have a column in a magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Know? So is it going to be a shift more to the supplement space and less on like the JV launches, the online courses, that kind it's, of thing? It's three different revenue arms. Yep. Supplements, really not just supplements we're going to be doing everything from like freaking like, you know, blenders to weightlifting products mm-hmm. to biohacking equipment yep. to, you know, but, but basically solutions, right? Like, sure. So that's one arm. Yep. The next is coaching and consulting. Mm-hmm. So I already have like a, a mastermind program, mentorship program where I mentor personal trainers, coaches. Yeah. I teach them how to optimize all the things they don't learn when they're getting their personal training cert, like digestion and hormones and sleep, right. and all things that go above and beyond just like six pack abs and bulging sure. biceps. So a big part of it is like creating new coaches, Got creating it many me's and clones yep. of what I do. So a coaching and consulting arm. And then finally we're building a studio in Denver where we're going to really up our game when it comes to education mm. and media, not only bringing in guest experts like physicians yep. and, and experts who don't have a platform, don't have a podcast, for sure. example, but who want to put content out there. And then also a place where we'll be doing more high quality videos, mm. higher quality podcasts, things that people can digest in terms of like new media education, yep. better, more robust YouTube channel, et cetera. Mm. So it's basically supplement slash gear, coaching slash consulting, yep. and then education slash media. Got it. Very cool. So fail on is kind of the mantra we live by here in terms of if you're not failing, you're not growing, right? You get stagnant. Mm-hmm. So how do you constantly get yourself outside of your comfort zone to keep pushing the limits and keep growing, not only physically, but also with your business and your personal yeah. life? Really for me, it's reading and education. Mm-hmm. So I read anywhere from three to six books a week. And I constantly stay on the cutting edge of not just my industry, mm-hmm. but also business, spirituality, you know, health and fitness and nutrition, obviously. But I read every day a voracious amount of material. Mm-hmm. When I'm not reading, I'm listening. 
yeah. podcasts, audiobooks, etc. I don't listen to any music when I'm working out. It's always just education. Yeah. So for me, I keep myself on the cutting edge of things from an mm-hmm. information and educational standpoint because I'm, I've been able to you know, just naturally speed read since I was like eight years mm-hmm. old. I, I can go crank through, books through really books. fast. Yeah. I can you know, crank through audiobooks at three times speed. Mm-hmm. And like, so for me, that's what keeps me going is staying on the cutting edge of the industry, then yeah. turning around, pivoting and creating products and creating education mm-hmm. that takes that knowledge and teaches it to others. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So as an entrepreneur, there's tons of highs and lows. So outside of the epic large scale failures, you know, in your case, it sounds like, you know, not getting into medical school, which was still, I think a blessing, right? Not mm-hmm. a curse. How do you handle the day-to-day lows that come your way? Because everybody has them, right? Yeah. Like your shoulder um, right now, for example. Right. So I start off every day with gratitude journaling mm. and prayer and devotions that keep me grounded to a higher power, keep me grounded to the idea that, you know, kind of relate to that book we were talking about. Certain and other books that have come up this, even on, on this trip, like, you know, Michael Singer's Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment. And it just this this idea that I am a spirit that's greater mm. than just like a like the flesh of the body or the gray matter of the brain and that when things are going wrong you can you can look at yourself from a very objective viewpoint step outside yourself and realize that the struggles that you go through whether they're physical stressors yeah. or, or mental stressors or very hard times in life like ultimately it doesn't matter that much as long as your spirit is well and as long as you're able to bring happiness in the lives of others as long as you're able to be grateful for even the tiniest thing that you can be right. grateful for that day. We have to start the day with that. Sure. You have to start the day Set the tone. with this idea that you you have a spiritual aspect to your existence. Mm. For me, that's reading the Bible. It's yeah. praying. It's writing down what I'm grateful for. It's writing down who I can pray for or help or serve that day mm. so that I'm actually thinking outside just my own selfish affirmations yeah. and my own flesh my own brain, my own body, mm. instead of really focusing on the spiritual component. Yep. That helps me out quite a bit. You do that daily? Uh-huh. Yep. Well, and, and I also do quite a bit of breath work. Mm. I do a lot of deep breathing. I go on a lot of walks where I'm doing like meditative walking, meditative deep nasal breathing. Yep. I've been, for about the past year, really getting into like Qigong type of practices where I'll just stand mm. and breathe and move slowly yep. and imagine like the energy traveling up the front of my body and down the back of my body and mm. just me standing in a pyramid of light as I move my arms through different positions. Yep. It just helps me kind of like just leave all the stress behind and go to a completely different place mentally. Mm-hmm. I bought an infrared sauna for my basement and I go down to the basement and I'll do like Kundalini yoga, mm-hmm. which helps me like sweep away stress yeah. and go through these intense movements that when I finish them, leave me feeling, leave me feeling as though I've kind of like burnt away or pushed away a lot mm-hmm. of the stress. So those yeah. are, those are some of the things I do. Basically just like all the woo woo shit that the people pushing their <laughs> giant shopping carts full of kale through Whole Foods would do. Like that's what I do. And it, and it helps out. I mean like, yeah, like totally, that totally. stuff, that stuff works. You find out what works for you and you do it. Do you leave any space in the day for spontaneity or empty space to hang mm-hmm. out with your boys, your wife? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What's that look like just in terms, cause what, you know, even on vacation. So basically guys, my whole morning routine, my meditation, mm-hmm. my you know coffee, breakfast, all that, I finish up by about 10 mm-hmm. a.m. And I work my ass off for about four to five hours. Yep. Like you, like headphones on, you can't bug me, yep. period. Like, uh, like complete focus, mm-hmm. cell phones off. I'm either creating content or I'm podcasting or I'm interviewing yep. or I'm, I'm getting things done. 
then in the afternoon, as soon as my kids walk in the door, it's just time with the boys. Mm. Playing Legos, shooting the bow, totally hiking, hanging out. And we do that typically for anywhere from an hour to three hours. Mm. Sometimes me driving them around to their you know, their tennis or yeah. you know, whatever else they're doing. At some point during that time frame, I'm also doing like a hard workout. Mm. So in the morning, I do easy woo-woo, yep. like meditation, <laughs> yoga, that kind of stuff. Sure. Afternoon, at some point between like 4 and 7 p.m., I do something really hard, like mm. high-intensity interval training, yep. usually anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes. Mm. And then once that's done, once the training is done, once the time with the boys is done, usually I return to work for anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes prior to dinner put out all those last minute fires. So sure. I create in the morning, I manage in the afternoon, yep. respond to all the emails, yep. that kind of stuff. And then we sit down for dinner, always have a family dinner. We eat together, we'll play games during dinner, we'll sometimes we'll like we'll watch like Master Chef. My kids like to watch that every week. So sure. we'll, we'll make something special, watch Master yep. Chef. Usually we cook together, mm. make a meal together. We all sit, we gather around the dinner table, we read our gratitude journals, mm. we talk about the day, we'll play like, you know, table topics, card games, whatever. Like yep. dinner is a big thing with our family. Sure. And then I What's also – Between cooking, having it a couple yep. hours, two and a half, three hours? Yeah. Usually in the afternoon – so the boys come home. Usually we have at least an hour of quality time when they come home. Yep. Then there's that time that I'm working out, that mm. I'm getting a few things done after I've worked out. Then we gather back around. Dinner's at like 7.30 or 8 p.m. at our house. Yep. So from like 7.30 till about 9, we're just all together as a family hanging mm. out, doing our like our everything from dinner to our bedtime rituals. Yep. You know, we playing guitar for the kids, mm. everything like that. And then once the kids are in bed – Usually, I have like a good 30 to 60 minutes to hang out with my wife, sure. to unwind at the end yeah. of the day. And sometimes, I'll be totally honest with you, there are like last minute fires. My whole team sure. knows not to email me after 9 p.m., nice. period. So, I know that any fires that need to be put out, mm. like I put out by 9 p.m. after that. Like, And that, that's, a re- that's in the past year I've developed that sure. where I've realized that. I am not going to not check email after 9 p.m., but if I check email after 9 p.m., I at least know there's not going to be any fires, like huge fires to put out because my team isn't emailing me at that point. Got it. So a lot of easy stuff after 9 p.m. You know, sometimes I'll just be chilling with my wife. Aside from like occasionally watching MasterChef with the kids or like we don't watch TV, we don't go to movies. Like I've just realized like, that's just something I've decided to sacrifice in my life. So yeah. I'm, I'm a complete idiot when it comes to what's going on in Hollywood, et cetera. Like sure. there's some things when it comes to like hyper productivity yeah. that you just have to give up. But yeah, I mean, at, at night, usually, oh, the one thing I should mention, people mm-hmm. ask me when I read, yep. usually that that's at that nighttime. In the evening, yeah. Time. So usually like sometimes between 9 and 10 p.m. that I'm just jamming mm-hmm. through books as yep. well. So what time are you waking up? When I wake up. Usually it's between Just about it. 5 a.m. and 6.30 a.m. Internal clock so, type deal? Yep, exactly. But I'm always – I'm like an old fuddy-duddy. Like I could count on one hand the number of times that I've stayed up past 11 p.m. in the past mm. six months. Yep. Right. So I go to bed between yeah. 9.30 and 10.30 every single night. Got it. And that's getting you up. What are you getting? Seven, eight hours of sleep? Usually I get seven, eight hours of sleep and I usually take like a 20 to 45-minute nap mm. after lunch every, every day. day. Which I found if I'm not in hard and heavy training because I'm still racing professionally, I can give up that nap. Mm. But if I'm still in training, I have to have that nap. Got it. Who's had the single most profound impact on your life if you had to narrow it down to one person? Mm. And what do they teach you? My wife. Because we're yin and yang. She doesn't give a shit about supplementation. <laughs> I heard saying that. I was like, Any, anything like that. Yeah. We're completely the opposite. She doesn't like have some workout resumes. She mm. doesn't take supplements. She doesn't care about business you know it's like she has that fireside chat with me every month and does her like her videos and stuff but even that like it's very very casual for Mm -hmm. her like she'll sit out on the porch and just drink a glass of wine and stare off into the sky for like two hours at night 
climb like bouncing <laughs> off the freaking walls and so yeah, yeah just so she bounces and then you know she grew up on a ranch and a farm mm-hmm. and she's very you know, like holistic health and yeah. and cooking and, and stuff that i never really would have tapped into mm-hmm. unless i'd met her so she kind of she keeps me grounded sure really when it comes to just me not being honestly like if i wasn't married to her i would just be i would still be even like way more of a workaholic than mm-hmm. i am right now should be super this unhealthy way to yeah i'd be unhealthy i'd probably be like that fat sick unhealthy ceo like i have so many friends in like the supplement and the health mm-hmm. industry who don't practice what they preach they're fat sick they're unhealthy yeah. and they run great businesses and they have like these multi-million dollar like protein powder businesses right. and biohacking businesses and all this jazz but they just don't practice what they preach they don't have like this with that incongruency you can't be super happy yeah exactly so she keeps congruency in my life she she keeps me grounded Mm -hmm. so she's probably like the biggest biggest influence nice yeah what's next on the horizon for you what are you most excited about what you're working on right now Keon Mm -hmm. this completely new business I'm creating that I want to I'm building to sell right like so when I'm 40 I want to have this business that I've built that allows people the world's hard charging high achievers mm. to get complete optimization of their mind, their yep. body and their spirit and to have every tool, every supplement, every piece of gear, every diet program, every coach or consultant, every piece of education, every piece mm. of media that they need to actually achieve everything that they want out of life yep. to be able to give them complete longevity and you know everything's done with one foot in the realm of ancestral living mm. and one foot in the realm of cutting edge science and biohacking so to be able to marry ancestral living and biohacking and provide yep. the world's hard charging high achievers with everything they need to to live a limitless life mm. that's what i'm now creating that's awesome the last place you ever need to mm-hmm. go for anything health mind body yep mind body spirit and yeah really created to take people and to keep people at the next level god so where's that at right now what products you have launched no, going to launch? We, we won't unveil anything till you know. Right now it's April or no, it's March. It'll be about June. Awesome. By the time we so it's coming up. Yeah, and I'm a I'm a I'm a slow builder. When sure. I when I build, I do it right. I build right. Yeah. yeah. So awesome, man. Yeah. Well, cheers. Yeah. Thanks for finish up my pina colada. <laughs> knocked it out. That was yeah. That was great. Really appreciate you taking the yeah, time man. on special on vacation. So. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. You got it, man. Yeah. Until next time. Boom. See ya. And that's a wrap from the Bahamas. You can find Ben at bengreenfieldfitness.com or greenfieldfitnesssystems.com. He's also on Twitter at Ben Greenfield. That's at Ben Greenfield. And of course, all the links and resources Ben and I discussed, including more information on his latest projects and ventures, can be found at the page created specifically for this episode. You'll find it all at fellon.com slash 006. And as I continue to build this project out with the simple goal of getting people to take action through embracing failure, if you could do one thing to support my cause, I'd sincerely appreciate it. By submitting a rating and review, this will help the podcast just become more visible to more people. If you feel it deserves a five-star rating and you leave a review, I'll be sure and mention you by name in an upcoming episode just as a small way to say thank you. To rate and review the podcast, really easy. Just visit failon.com slash iTunes or failon.com slash Stitcher. Catch you next time. That's all for this episode of the Fail On Podcast. For more resources, show notes, and action items to help you find success in your failures, sign up for our mailing list at failon.com. For more actionable inspiration, we'll catch you next time right here on the Fail On Podcast.